0: The First Lady of New York Radio, Joan Hamburg, entertaining and informative. Talk Radio 77 WABC.
1: If you have never read Neil deGrasse Tyson or weren't aware that he's the director of the Hayden Planetarium at one of our great institutions, the American Museum of Natural History, that he's a television star He lectures. He's an astrophysicist. He's written best-selling books, and he has a brand new one called Starry Messenger, Cosmic Perspectives on Civilization. And I'm going to let Mr. Tyson tell you what that means and also let him explain what an astrophysicist is, For those of you who have not had the great pleasure of seeing him, I remember the first time I watched him was on a late night TV show and I was sort of, you know, half asleep and suddenly I sat up and said, who is he? And then I was hooked. And he is one of the great astrophysicists in the country. He's a wonderful writer, a wonderful lecturer, and he makes you really care about science and the impact and what science can do to the way we think and the way we act. So thank you so much for coming on.
0: Well, well, thanks, Joan, for inviting me and a very warm introduction. Thank you for that. No,
1: it's a gift. And I absolutely love it. We have two neurophysicists in the family. I still have no clue what they do.
0: Okay, but, okay. <laughs> I, I, I think it has something to do with the brain. We're good. To start yeah,
1: <laughs> something to do with the brain. We need you. You know, the actor Alan Alder teaches scientists how to communicate. You never had that problem, right? From the time you were a kid and decided astronomy, astrology, these were hot topics for you.
0: Yeah, not so much astrology, which has no foundation in any science at all, but uh, astrophysics, you know, the study applying laws of physics to our understanding of cosmic phenomenon. So where Earth's atmosphere ends, that's where my interest and knowledge of the universe begins. So it's everything beyond the Earth. Well, actually, I'm even interested when rocks fall to Earth, you know, meteors, uh, a fascinating film uh, on Netflix during COVID that came out called Don't Look Up.
1: Yeah, I saw is that. Which was a bit of a
0: parody <laughs> on people's reactions to objective truths that they just didn't want to be true, and uh, it was sort of brilliantly, uh, uh, comedically. Uh, uh, it was it was quite the parody. But at the end, I said, "No, no, no, this isn't fiction. This is a documentary." <laughs> I'm pretty sure
1: that's <laughs> No, but a- you know that's so funny you said that because I watched that too, and I had that same question. Right in the beginning, I think we all did. Could this really be real? But it yeah, was. Yeah, I mean, we, right? there are
0: asteroids out there, and some could head our way. And 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 maybe the biggest threat is not the asteroid itself, but our inability to do anything about it because of mass denial of what scientists say. There's an old. There's an old um, saying. Is it a saying or an edict that every Every disaster movie begins by authorities ignoring the advice of scientists. <laughs> every, every right. single movie you've ever seen does that and and so so I, so I value science literacy not just because it's fun but because it empowers you to take some kind of control over the fate of civilization in a way that we can become better shepherds of who and what we are and what we. Uh, bequeathed to the next generation, or as some cultures have described, um, we are borrowing the future from our descendants, and we want to be able to give it back to them in good shape, and it doesn't look like that's what we're doing now.
1: Well, I, I know we are more divided than we've ever been as a civilization, but what I was so fascinated with through your book, was how science sees the world differently and what does that really mean if we suddenly start to study what's around us stars or is that going to teach us how to deal with things like social conflicts is that possible and yeah that's a
0: that's a great question and uh, I, I'm going to answer two, two ways they are related, but I just want to say it in two ways. The act of studying science, uh, it has a way of wiring your brain such that you see the world differently. You, you, your urge is to look at the causes of phenomenon more than the phenomenon themselves, uh, because this is what a scientist does. Why is it this way? Um, uh, could it be a different way? And if not, why not? Are there laws of nature that enable it or prevent it? So the scientist seeing the world is rarely swayed by just some opinion of how people might long for something to be or what some culture or religion or family tradition may wish to be true right. relative to what is true. But everyone is not going to be a scientist. I, that would be a very boring world. I, I'm... I totally embrace musicians and artists and and all manner of creativity that lives and works and plays among us. So the real so the pathway here is not necessarily to become a scientist but to just think a little differently about what it is you're doing, what you're saying, what it is you think is true. Explore it from different angles of view and so it's a matter of what tactics do you invoke before and during the time you formulate your opinions. And so this book is an attempt to empower us all to, to, to before you shape an opinion, have you really thought it through? Or are you just, are you just following your, your urges and then to say, and this is what it is, and darn it, and that's how it's going to be, and I will dig in my heels and fight you. So my hope is that this, you know, I don't like telling people what to do, but I'm going to tell people what to do now. You have to get this book and read it before Thanksgiving dinner.
1: <laughs> <Okay? 'Cause laughs> so, so we uh, will not necessarily attack. We'll exactly, be, we'll be fortified while
0: people are arguing who's woke and who isn't and who likes the police and who doesn't and and who's leftist and who's not and and goes on and on and on maybe there's a a deeper way to think about these exchanges and a cosmic perspective specifically which goes beyond just a scientific lens is uh, i think that the, the the best example of a cosmic perspective is take a look at earth from space deep space. And there's this orb, adrift, alone. And it doesn't look like the schoolroom globe that we were trained on from elementary school. What is that globe anyway? Oh, I know what it is. They color code the countries. Why are they doing that? Oh, oh, it's so that you know immediately who your enemies are and who your friends are. Hmm. The tribalization of us as members and participants of civilization begins early. But from space, all of that goes away. It's gone. And you see Earth as nature intended with oceans and land and clouds. And in this book, every now and then I throw in some visiting aliens who have no love preconceived notion of who we are and just have them say, well, what do you think? What do you think? Okay. And they'll say... Well, this is beautiful. You have all these landmasses, but wait—there um, are laws that prevent people from moving freely among those landmasses. Are—are you all the same species? Yes. Um, so why are they killing each other over here? Oh, because they have a different skin color, or they—they they sleep with different people, or they worship different gods, or they speak differently. and and we'll go through this 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 litany of reasons for why humans not only argue with each other, but ultimately wage war. And then the aliens will fly away, run back home, report back that there's no sign of intelligent life on Earth.
1: <laughs> not far off. And, and in the book, Neil deGrasse Tyson explains that Earth is not the center of all motion. It orbits the sun as just one right, of the other known planets.
0: Yeah, so that's, of course, widely known and embraced by nearly everyone on Earth today. But 400 years ago, when Galileo uh, provided observational evidence with his freshly perfected telescope, observational evidence to support Copernicus, to support Copernicus um, in his... uh, hypothesis that the sun was in the center of all motion and earth orbited the sun you could discount it saying oh this is just a mathematical uh uh, um, convenience uh, but because no data was presented for it galileo puts forth the data and this is information from the universe through his telescope he says wait a minute Uh, and by the way the sun has spots It's not some perfect orb, and the moon has mountains, valleys, and craters. That's not a perfect sphere either. And the moon goes around us, and the earth and the moon goes around the sun, and all the planets go around the sun, and these are messages from the universe, destabilizing our place, the understanding we had of ourselves in this universe. His book that he wrote that reported on all of this was called Sidereus Nuncius, Latin of course. You translate that Latin, it's Starry Messenger. Mm. So I took the title of this book from his book because we learn things about ourselves by looking at and thinking about how this universe works. And there are messages from the universe that tell us, you know, you better rethink that. I'll give, can I give a quick example? Sure. Um, on Earth, we have this urge to compartmentalize things. Even when they land on a continuum, it's a urge. We, we even do it for hurricanes. Do you realize hurricane speeds is a continuous change of miles per hour measured in the cyclone, okay? Mm. But we put these borders there, Category 1, Category 2, Category 3, and, and it's not news if a hurricane strengthens. From a low Category 2 to a high Category 2. But if it goes one mile an hour across that border, breaking news, Hurricane Irma is now Category 3. And all of a sudden we go, ooh, ah. And this is something we know exists on a continuum. Yet we force it into these categories, I guess, because it's easier for us to think about it. But in The Limit, all we really want in life is just two categories. Are you with us? Are you against us? Are you Republican or are you Democrat? Are, are you black or are you white? Are, are you a boy or are you a girl? Are you, and and so here we have actual actual variation in these quantities in the actual world and in the actual universe. But you want to categorize them so that you can think about them more easily. And that's That's a problem if you rise to power and create laws that deny the spectrum of all of life that's out there. We know people express themselves on a gender spectrum. And in this country, the United States of America, I think I remember a sentence somewhere in one of our founding documents about the pursuit of happiness. I remember that somewhere. And if your pursuit of happiness is, you are on a gender spectrum, so what? Let it be. Deal with it if you can't otherwise think that way. Just By the way, most of the universe is on a spectrum. The very spectrum of light is a spectrum, okay? Mm. Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, violet, that actually has millions of colors in it. We The best we did is we broke it up into seven colors, but... So much happens that if you study science and the universe and our attempt to classify and categorize, and you realize the diversity of stuff in the universe, and then you come to Earth and look at people try to pigeonhole, it's embarrassing that people behave in a way that constrains the freedoms of others just because you don't know how to think on a spectrum.
1: Can we learn I'm sorry, or I'm change? at you here. <laughs> no, but I'm curious. I mean, if. Science and the scientific mind, you say, can help us deal with even the current political situation or the cultural issues you've alluded to, how things we talk about on a daily basis. Can we change? Can we become part of this and see it really change the way we think?
0: Okay, I'm an educator, so I have to answer yes to that question.
1: (laughs) Right. But tell me the truth. You talk a lot about truth.
0: Yes. Yes. There's a whole chapter on truth and and beauty, by the way. And and by the way, so it's not so much. I don't think of it as changing people. Uh, Yes, it is. But that's not how I think about it. I think about it as enlightening people. All right. Does that mean you're changing or growing? Well, I guess growing is change, but it's not like, well, I think this now. You want me to think that? Uh, That's no. That's combative, and that's that's that's. I I don't think that's that's uh, productive. What what you the way you need to view it is here are my opinions, and have I thought about it this other way? No, not yet. Wait a minute. Oh my gosh, you're right. This. It does work this way instead of the other way. Or this opinion I held was not as as ironclad as I thought it was when I first formulated it. So people crawl out, crawl, crawl, or hack out of the shell, their opinion shell, and then take a peek around the landscape of other ideas. And when you do that, you can't help but grow. You can't help but see more of how other people see the world. And then maybe you could step to a new vista that is not an extension of where you were or your opponent was. It's just in a new place. Maybe it's above both of your heads. Maybe it's a cosmic perspective. Maybe it's what Earth looks like from the moon. Yes, these can change you. But I prefer to think of it as these are things that empower you to grow.
1: Let me ask you, um, we talk about truth, of which you devote time in um, Starry Messenger, what makes something true? You divide truth into three categories, but what makes something true?
0: Yeah, that's a great question, but the answer is actually quite simple. But I had to break truth into three categories to see how simple it is. So uh, many different people use the word truth, and I'm not here to take the word away from them but I do want to add some nuance to it. So if you're a Christian, and for example, and Jesus is your savior, that's a personal truth. In a free country where the expression of religion is constitutionally protected, no one is going to take that away from you. That's a personal truth. So all religions represent the kind of personal truth you might carry. Per, uh, also, cultural truths are... are typically of a personal variety or things you believe. If, you know, if, if, if you think the Beatles were better than Elvis Presley and you are true to the bone on that, that's your personal truth. Fine. Or or better than the Rolling Stones. There's a better comparison there. Fine. In a, in a pluralistic land, the richness of those views creates the tapestry on the landscape in which we live. Okay. Another kind of truth is a political truth. In the old days, we might have called it brainwashing. These are things that become true simply because you heard them repeated so many times. Now, before what we call civilization, if you saw something repeat often in the wild, and it worked out every time, it's, chances are it's true, and you should heed your wisdom and insight that you glean from that, because your survival depended on it. But now a lion is not chasing you down the streets. So (laughs) there's a lot of forces that are not operating on us. And we now have to live in what we call civilization. So this repeated phenomenon where it turns out to be true, the brain's response to that has been hijacked by professionals who know that if they repeat something often enough, you will then think it's true. Because we have a weakness there in society to just those kinds of forcings. And like I said, that's what propaganda is. You repeat it often enough, it almost true.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right, so that's a political truth. But then there's a third kind, objective truths. These are truths that the methods and tools of science are exquisitely tuned to establish. With experiment and observations and checking for bias that could be within it so you do an experiment and i get a result and i publish it that's not the truth yet and it may actually be wrong we need other experiments to check it verify it contest it when you do this enough and my my competitors say we're going to show him wrong cuz we and then they do an experiment that shows that it's right oh my gosh you assemble the supportive evidence Of a new understanding of how the world works and that is an objective truth and what objective truths have in common is that they are true whether or not you believe in them so I think to myself if you if you're gonna have power over laws and legislation and you're gonna base them on something it it seems to me if you base it on an objective truth then it applies to everyone rather than take your personal truth up through the ranks and then create a law that derives from your personal truth, forcing other people with different personal truths to abide by it. If, that, if society heads in that direction, those are the seeds of the unraveling of an informed democracy. In its limit, it's a dictatorship. When, you, when your personal truths become law, foisted upon others that have different personal truths, that's, I don't know what society that is. That, I, I don't think that's what our founding fathers had in mind.
1: I'm talking to Neil deGrasse Tyson. His book, Starry Messenger, Cosmic Perspectives on Civilization, wherever books are sold. Thank you so much, Neil. I look forward to talking to you again.
0: Thank, thank you for having me, and thanks for your interest and your cosmic curiosity.
1: Cosmic curiosity. I'm Joan Hamburg, and you're listening to WAVC. More to come. Stay tuned.
0: When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do